Okay, Somdev Devvarman is here with me as we're just getting ready to kick off the Aussie Open, the first Grand Slam of the year. Remember, Wimbledon didn't happen last year because of the pandemic, the first time since the Great War that that didn't happen. But we still had the other Grand Slams, but 30,000 people in daily. Lots to talk about it, Somdev. Hey, good morning. I hope the family and you are safe and healthy, bud. Most important yes, question. Yes, we are. Thank God. You know, the lockdown obviously has hit us, but on the bright side, we have been uh, fortunate in many ways. And yeah, thanks, man. We're safe i hope you're well too yeah so far so good can't complain i love the red guitar there so was it a gift or did you buy it for yourself you go off the the shelves and buy it actually this red guitar over here is an ibanez and i bought it in a pawn shop (laughs) yeah so it it was at a time where i was playing and i used to kind of tell myself you know if i it was like a, a gift to myself of sorts if i did well in a tournament i would buy myself a guitar which in hindsight was not the best idea because now I have a couple of guitars and and I don't feel like I'm quite good enough to play that one well you know I feel like somebody else would be able to take that and just shred it apart but for me I'm more of an acoustic uh, guitar guy I need one guitar and and, and that's about it and uh, but still I'm having fun with all of this stuff but you know something I was reading somewhere which is really sad that Gibson was talking about how you know the guitar sales have gone down you know back in the day when you and me went to school the cool kids were the one with the acoustic guitar in the school or the college canteen but these days it's the kids with the macbooks who are making EDM so it's nice to see a guy who still believes in old school guitars, you know, and uh, I think it's cyclical, isn't it? it? It just comes back. Music is like that. Yeah, I mean, it is cyclical. When I started out, I started out because I really enjoyed it. I loved it. And then I moved to a point where I really wanted to do it because I was in college. I just saved up enough money to buy myself a guitar. And I found it very useful when I wanted to talk to women. So, uh, you know, that's just the honest truth. And uh, all I kind of wanted to focus on was to sing songs that were pretty current and a few, you know, good old jingles like the Beatles and, you know, things like that. But generally, it was because I wanted to fit in a little bit more and things like that. Then I started playing tennis, professional tennis happened. So that kind of took a back seat. And now it's again back, but now it's back in a completely different way because I feel like I finally realized that I enjoy it. And uh, making music is something that's very honest for me. You know, it's a nice place for me to be in. And um, yeah, now I just absolutely love music. Let's come now to the Aussie Open 2021. Melbourne Bach in the ladies' side is very competitive. The draw has 45 out of the top 50 women playing. So uh, your thoughts on, on Sophia Kennan? She won last year beating Garbin Muguruza. She's tough, also finalist at the French Open. Yeah, I think Kennan is uh, obviously world-class, you know, the fact that she came out here and won last year. But, you know, I think what, when you're talking about someone like Sophia Kennan, you have to talk about her personality. That's what really makes her unbelievably great. You know, at that age, to come back and, you know, she was winning a lot of matches after losing the first set. She's a very, very feisty competitor. You know, even at the French Open, a lot of people don't talk about this, but the week before the French Open in Rome, she lost 6-love, six 6-love. Six wow. And then followed it up with a runner-up showing at the French Open. So, you know, the best thing about uh, when I look at an athlete's journey, you know, there's so many ups and downs and, you know, you really learn a lot about an athlete when you start seeing how they deal with losses, how they deal with tough situations and losing love and love as a tennis player is like one of the hardest things out there, you know. And to, you know, respond so strongly, it tells you a lot about this young girl's personality. Serena Williams, I mean, seven titles, always a threat at the Aussie Open. She just beat Naomi Osaka in Adelaide at the exhibition. I mean, it's got to count for something, I know, even though it's an exhibition. So Serena coming into this, I want your thoughts. Well, when Serena Williams is out there playing, especially now, every time she goes out to play, she is out there to win a Grand Slam. It's pretty simple. She's 123. She's out there trying to win 24 and she's fallen very short 
a few times you know she's lost to Naomi Osaka she's uh, lost to Sloane Stevens she's lost to Simona Halep she's lost to Bianca Andreescu and um, you know the thing about Serena is every time she does step on a court there is a certain belief that she's going to do something special and the fact that Serena is out there playing and training right now despite being a mother tells you that she's not out there to do it just to be in the top 10 she's not out there to try and make a quarter final of a grand slam she's out there because she believes that she can win and she really wants to win her 24th and almost you know stamp her place and authority in that greatest of all time list in men and women and i think she's already up there in that conversation but winning 24 for certain is a big focus for serena there's a twist in the tale and a good one at that the 2019 us open champion bianca andrescu is getting back to the sport she's had a long injury layoff somdev and for Fortunately, her coach caught the virus. He wrote a public letter, you know, apologizing to the other people on the plane who got quarantined because of him. So, Bianca Andrescu, exciting. Very exciting because keep in mind, you know, this girl kind of came out of nowhere and won the US Open. And again, you know, the style that she won it and she uh, really showed no fear, especially out there in the finals against Serena Williams in New York City. pretty much the whole stadium wanting Serena to win except for Andreescu's team of course yeah so it, it just tells you that she's incredibly gutsy she has a lot of self belief and you know she she has struggled with some injuries so i don't think we should uh, you know put too many expectations on her but also don't count out an upset because you know Andreescu when she's playing well is without a doubt one of the best players in the world she has a huge game and that self belief to back it up if she wins two or three matches and makes it late in the tournament then she'll be a real threat and Naomi Osaka i mean i'm a fan <laughs> who isn't gonna be, who isn't a fan and people are so going to be rooting for reasons. her so, yeah, so many, many different, different reasons. reasons she's so lovely yeah. yeah and that US Open win last year was so special wasn't it what are you expecting from her like I said you know a loss in Adelaide but you know it's just an exhibition let's get your views on Naomi Osaka I think Naomi Osaka is uh, one of the most exciting players out there in the WTA period you know the, the fact that she's you know Japanese with a little bit of Haitian in her the fact that she you know I think she appeals to a very very large and very international tennis audience and her game style you know put all of that together with her personality unlike the other she is very shy openly very shy and i actually one of the favorite things i like about osaka apart from her game of course is her you know on court interviews you know a lot of times when we see these people we forget that they're 21 22 23 yeah. years old you know and i think uh, sometimes i almost have to remind myself when i'm talking to a 21 year old now who's just finishing college think about the uh, mental space the maturity that they're in and, and and the things that they have to deal with and then think of the things that naomi osaka has done at her young age and i think once you put all of that into perspective you see how well she's handled her career because she's so young and she's already had a huge up and a huge down you know i think a year or two ago she was out there saying all she wanted to do was spend time on a tennis court and have fun that's when she was losing you know week after week and then she did that came back and won the Aussie Open so yeah that was a couple of years ago so i think for sure heavy hitting osaka has got to be one of the favorites especially if she's feeling good somdeep ashley barty world number 1 hasn't played since feb of 2020 a home crowd factor lots of people in particular todd woodbridge says she reminds uh, people of martina hingis Yeah I mean I can see that because she's also had a lot of double success but uh, Ash Barty first of all incredible athlete you know I think she made it to a pretty high level in in women's cricket as well you know so she's one of those people that is an incredible athlete and you can totally see it in the way she plays the game you know unlike uh, Sofia Kenin or Bianca Andreescu who 
really go after and hit their shots uh, you know with a lot of authority ashley barty is one of those players that has the ability to be crafty she's won several doubles grand slams still very young you know and um, and she's obviously been world number 1 and, and has had uh, single success as well in the grand slam so undoubtedly one of the uh, favorites for the tournament obviously you know when you look at her and, the, and you look at the way she competes and fights she's also almost that quintessential australian athlete you know who wears her heart on her sleeve gives it a lot of come on really pumped up when she plays and gets the crowd behind her super positive attitude great sportsman you know so it's really really fun watching her because she throws so many different things and she hits a heavy forehand she's got a great kick serve she's got a nice backhand she's got great volleys so i think watching ashley barty has to be one of the most entertaining things out there my final player uh, focus on the lady side is simona halep always dangerous uh, she won wimbledon in 2019 and the french open in the year before that here she is coming in uh, to this tournament very charged up let's talk about simona well simona i mean one of the best competitors out there in the world for sure i think when simona is feeling really good about her game it's so much hard work for the other player to beat her. she gets every ball back she can pass you from anywhere every time you know she finds a way to start holding serve and when simona halep starts doing that that's when she becomes really dangerous because her return game is absolutely on fire you know put that in with the ability that you know she's probably one of the best athletes on the w tour along with the fact that uh, she has a great coach in darren kehill so whenever she comes into a match she's um, you know mentally physically prepped but also has a fantastic game plan and has the maturity to handle situations and execute her on her game plan so you know for me simona halep is is a one of the best grinders out there with the ability to play offense as well so when she starts clicking offensively you know her defensive skills are some of the best in the world so when she starts clicking offensively that's when she's a real threat but i mean i love watching simona because in my opinion one of the best fighters out there for sure Before we head into uh, the men's draw, there's been so much drama, Somdev. Novak has been complaining about the quarantine rules in Australia. He even wrote a few letters to Craig Tiley, emails the tournament director, saying players should be allowed ease of quarantine rules, maybe be even given a house or the tennis court. Also, there's been controversy around Tomic's wife complaining, you know, and other players saying there are mice in the room. Top players put up in better hotels than the lesser-known players. Craig Tiley says that's the nature of the beast. Nick Kyrgios has gone and criticised Novak and Tomic's wife. Zverev is. defending novak so the, all this off court drama and what do you feel about this quarantine thing listen you put uh, 256 top class athletes in a room for two weeks and you expect them to stay quiet there's it's just not going to happen you know these guys are used to living at a certain standard and uh, you know that thing said couple things first of all with the novak situation while he did like you have to keep in mind that you know novak is now the head of the players player the players association you know so from novak standpoint he's out there asking for things that he believes in the people who are part of the players association they believe that the ATP and WTA should be the ones fighting for players rights because at the end of the day they are the bodies that represent the players so i think what novak was doing was almost just to kind of send a message to say listen even if they say no let's go out there and ask them i know we've come in here with these certain rules i think all the players knew exactly what the conditions were going to be before that so there was no complaining but i think from novak's standpoint you know he said we have to do this if they say no they say no and so that's kind of the situation that unfolded and you even saw 
like you said, Zverev, uh, there was, uh, you know, Karen Nubusta, there was quite a few players out there saying, listen, we support Novak because he was out there trying to make a change to better the conditions for all players. So in a sense, that was respected. And at the end of the day, I think with Novak, I don't think any of this stuff will be, you know, too much of a distraction. This guy knows how to play as an underdog. This guy knows how to play when, you know, the crowd is cheering against him. You know, this guy was the same guy who said when people are shouting Roger and Rafa in the crowd, he somehow finds a way to draw inspiration from that and take his game to the next level. So, you know, when it comes to Novak Djokovic, especially in Australia, eight-time champion in Australia, certainly chasing Roger and Rafa's uh, record right now, I don't think that much is going to bother him. Yeah, and uh, Nick always says what he wants, doesn't he? <laughs> of, <laughs> of course, of course. And I like it. I think uh, having a guy like Nick is, is of tremendous value to the ATP and to every tournament. Because if Nick Kyrgios is doing well, there's always some sort of buzz around it. I think, listen, it's every player's right to speak their mind and uh, I don't think disagreements are a bad thing necessarily as long as they're done in a in a respectful way. So yeah, being Nick Kyrgios shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, especially when it comes to uh, being responsible with the COVID situation. I think he's been uh, a little standoffish towards uh, the players in the summer. You know, he thought that they were being irresponsible when it came to how they were uh, dealing with the virus. And I think that's fine. I think uh, as long as that, uh, you know, reasonable communication kind of happens to and fro, it's all good with Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, and you put things into perspective as far as Novak is concerned. I mean, he's a two-time defending champion, eight titles overall. you got to call him a favourite. But that was a tough five-set against team last year. Not easy at all. You still think he's hungry enough to go the full distance? Yeah, Hunger is, is certainly not the issue for Novak Djokovic, mainly because he's still three behind Rafa and Roger. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's no secret. Anybody who follows tennis will know that Novak would not want to stop until he has achieved what he believes he can achieve. You know, I was kind of chatting with a few friends and I reminded them that, you know, 12 months ago, Novak Djokovic, when asked uh, on an interview, what would you rather win the Olympics or the slam? He said he wants to win them all. And in 2021, we have another unique opportunity for Novak as well as the other players is they have four grand slams but they also have the Olympics. So Novak is one of those guys who generally when he sets his eyes on a target he's uh, super focused and you know he tries to accomplish that. The last time he was um, you know in this situation for the Rio Olympics in 2016 I thought uh, he kind of ran out of gas but that was also because that was the first year he won the French Open you know and he went out there won it and then he came back obviously a little emotionally drained and a tough first round draw in Del Potro. But now I think uh, Novak is you know a lot older a lot more mature and truly truly believe that if he's at the top of his game, he's one of the hardest guys to beat. And I, and I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Well, Rafa certainly is going after Roger's record of most Grand Slam titles. Of course, the double career Grand Slam. He just had a good turnout in Adelaide. He beat Novak in Paris, but you could argue that he's the king of clay because, you know, maybe that doesn't count. But, you know, what a furious tournament that was, Somdev. I mean, he didn't even drop a set before winning. Yeah, I mean, Rafa on clay is a different beast, isn't it? That every single time I see it, it absolutely blows my mind because, you know, Rafa is actually doing the things that us as coaches and mentors go out there and we tell kids, you know, never take a point off, never lose focus on a single shot. Regardless of whether you win the point or lose the point, you've got to come back and, and start from scratch with that same intensity. Now, all of these things as players, I mean, as people, we all know what the right thing to do is. So we know the right things to say, but to actually go out there and do it every single day, it's just so hard. And um, so Rafa at the French Open for me, it's not a machine. It's it's somebody who's found a perfect way to, you know, gather all his thoughts, make his world just around him and focus on the job at hand. And, uh, you know, no one 
in any sport in my opinion no one in any sport has handled themselves like rafa has handled himself at the french and when he's out there at the french he's still humble can you imagine yeah. like yeah. you know going out there winning the french open 13 times and 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 still being humble about it so you know i made a quote last year at the, on twitter I said Rafael Nadal isn't arrogant at the French Open nobody has the right to be arrogant anyway <laughs> <laughs> Dominic Thiem what an exciting next gen player now interesting statistic and I want your comment on this if he wins in Australia and Rafa loses before the semis he will be the first number 2 in the world since 2005 outside the big 4 that means there's <laughs> never been a world number 2 apart from Novak Roger Rafa or Andy since 2005 and the last guy to do that was Leighton Hewitt so yeah. this is a big one for Dominic but you think he'll he'll go all the way a uh, tough i mean he's got a lot of work cut out for him let's just put it that way you know but i think also when you're talking about a guy like dominic thiem i think winning a grand slam in a sense you know takes away a lot of weight from him you know keeping in mind this guy has been in grand slam finals three times before he finally won his fourth and unfortunately for him the three finals he played were two against rafa in paris and one against novak in melbourne which are you know some of the hardest things uh, to do in our sport and i think he put up a great fight in two of those three you know one was straight sets against rafa but the other was in four and the other one was five against uh, five sets against novak last year so you know in a sense dominic team is probably better now than he has ever been in you know maturity wise and understanding his own limitations his own game and how to maximize you know his own potential So for sure you have to say that Dominic Team is the third favorite for the tournament. I would add a couple other names along uh, you know with that mix, but I also think it's really really important because he's the first one that has actually gone out there and won a grand slam that's not one of these guys. You know, so in a sense he's kind of created that path. He's kind of opened the you know the things that were blocking everybody and now a lot of players perhaps think that uh, you know if Dominic did it all of us have a chance. So I I'm sure that uh, you know the next gen sitsipas wherever all of them are, are thinking you know where are around the corner but zverev lots of other issues he split with uh, david ferrer his coach he's been accused of domestic violence by a former girlfriend legal dispute with his former agent also split with roger federer sports management company teammate the good news is he's becoming a father again you think zverev will put it all together to be a serious contender you know at least make the semi finals which everybody is hoping he'll do Listen, didn't he have all of this stuff uh, going on for him even when, during the US Open? Yeah. He, he did. did. He did have a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's proven a couple things that he can block distractions and focus on his game. It's harder said than done, obviously. You know, all of us have kind of felt that in our own in our own lives and our own professions. Me as a player, it's really hard when you have that many distractions of court. Sometimes it can be hard. But I think he's done a really good job. I mean, I understand that a lot of people have split with him, including his coach, Rogers Management Agency. He's had, uh, you know, disputes with a lot of people, but uh, I mean, yeah, tough times for him to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's going to be hard. I can see him doing doing pretty well, but I can also see him, you know, losing before the fourth round like i can see that happen he has done it in the past so it's going to be in my opinion a tough road for uh, sasha let's talk about some other danger man medvedev hottest player in the atp tour when 2020 ended i mean he comes into 2021 having beaten 1 2 and 3 novak rafa and team to win the atp finals in london so your thoughts on medvedev undoubtedly in my opinion one of the heaviest favorites in pretty much every tournament he enters and i think obviously he kind of burst onto the scene a couple years ago when he had that incredible run of you know beating uh, the top guys and winning master series before making to the finals of the US Open and losing in five sets to Rafa so um 
Medvedev for me is another really interesting character. You know, I think uh, the way he uh, handles the crowd, especially with what he did in New York in 2019. You know, for the entire tournament, the crowd was against him, and suddenly in the finals, when he's out there playing Rafa, he finds a way to kind of get the crowd behind his back. Just by the way he goes out there, competes, and you know, leaves it all out on the court. I think that's something that all tennis fans, at the end of the day, truly appreciate. And I think uh, Medvedev has done a, a fantastic job. And, and just his game style, you know, he's a big guy. He's got an absolute cannon of a serve. Really, no weaknesses from the baseline. You know, maybe coming forward is probably not his strong suit, but I think he's learned how to kind of you know cover up that part of his game because of his other strengths. But yeah, for me, honestly, Medvedev is one of the best personalities out there on the ATP tour. And uh, for him to start becoming more and more successful is definitely going to help our sport. Man, two kids. Before we wrap up the men's draw, there's this 17-year-old called Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, the comparisons to Rafa are obvious. He's going to be made for years to come, given his strong form on clay. But you know. I believe that he's got an aggressive game style, and he himself, Alcaraz, says that he's modeling himself on Roger Federer. So that's one kid I want to comment on. The other is that 19-year-old Italian called Yannick Sinner or Yannick Sinner. I mean, he was included in the Adelaide Exhibition Tournament along with the top three, and that means people are already sitting up and noticing. So Sinner and Alcaraz. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, one thing I always tell people, you know, to go out there and to compare yourself or to be compared with, and this is this even goes up to the next gen, you know. So when you're talking about this, whether it's the passes, teams, uh, Medvedevs, you know, so on, Shapovalov, or you know, all, all of them. The problem is you're comparing them to the three greatest players to have ever stepped on a tennis court. You know, you're not comparing them to Andre Agassi. You're not comparing them to guys that won a couple slams. You know, Pat Rafter. And Goran Ivanišević's and Andy Roddick's, Juan Carlos Ferrero, all of these guys. You're comparing the next gen to the three greatest players that have ever played the game, and I think that that's just really, really big shoes to fill. And it's why would you want to add that kind of pressure on yourself? You know, so Falcaraz, super talented. I mean, obviously the Spanish system has, you know, being around the Spanish system has really helped him kind of become a better player. But you know, I think it's dangerous to compare. Yourself to that level of success this early on, you know, very few people have been able to kind of carry that weight on their shoulders. And the three people that stand out are the three big ones because you know, luckily for us, we can look back at two thousand three, two thousand four, and you know, even before Roger had won his first slam at Wimbledon, people were comparing him to Sampras, you know, and he lived up to it. Even before Rafa had won five, six French Opens, they were calling him one of the best clay quarters that they've seen come out of Spain. He lived up to that expectation, and Novak was you know winning challengers at fifteen and sixteen. Everyone knew he was going to be great, but this great, like, can you really predict these kind of numbers? I, I, I personally. I think it's it's really hard because there's so many things that can happen to a player's career. So that being said, you know, like let's look at guys who were compared to Roger before. Grigor Dimitrov was compared to Roger when he was 18 years old. He was world number yeah. one uh, junior, winning junior Wimbledon, but you know, obviously hasn't quite come through in a Grand Slam yet. But he still had a remarkable career, top 10. You know, won the ATP World Tour Finals, winning Master Series. So I think it gets a little dangerous when you start comparing. But I will say this: the most exciting player for me on the ATP tour is undoubtedly Yannick Sinner. 
when you said that name i think uh, it really shows that you know you also know your stuff you know you, you know you follow your tennis and you know, yanik sinner for me is is a crazy talent because the guy's really got no weaknesses he's got a cannon of a serve he's a incredible athlete i think he was one of the 14 or 16 and under in europe he was a skiing champion you know something that a lot of people don't know about him so it tells you a couple things one is you know obviously knows how to win but two is you know the guy must be an incredible athlete to be you know european skiing champion at, at a young age so he's found a way to kind of translate his success on a tennis court as well he hits a huge ball absolutely massive hitter on both sides the forehand and the backhand and on top of that he's like 6 465 and he serves cannons and can move so in a sense you know yanik sinner is a the modern day tennis players the ones that are going to be successful i think they have to be big they have to serve big hit the ball big and move well you know so i think this is i feel like the biggest change we're seeing in in modern tennis back in the day when you had a big guy he generally wasn't as solid of the baseline you know you can look at uh, greg rusetsky and max mirny and you know mark rose there's so many of these big guys who who used to uh, have massive serves but were never as good from the baseline but now you start taking a look every other guy is 6 foot 6 serves big hits yeah. forehands and backhands really well and they move really well you know so that's really the modern day tennis player and i think yanik sinner is going to find himself in the top 10 very soon and then he's going to be contending for slams within two or three years for sure just uh, loved your insights on the women's and the men's draws so such an incisive look at the Aussie Open 2021 as far as those two draws are concerned